That's awesome. Uh, so excited to be back with you and honored, really. Uh, anytime, you know, I get to stand and speak of the things that God's done for me, um, the things that God has done for you, speak of his ways, what an honor. And, uh, you know, last week I came and made some kind of big statements. You know, basically I told you that, that your whole life really ha- hangs on one word. And, you know, we talked about the word yes and how important that is. I basically said, you know, some of you may think it's, uh, I may be handing you a fortune cookie and others of you, you know, a spiritual plane ticket. And some of you guys last week said yes to Jesus uh, for the first time and sort of took that spiritual plane ticket for yourself. And as a result, uh, if you endure in that, which is what we're going to talk about tonight, you will go places spiritually. You'll go places with God you could have never gone by yourself. And so, um, you know, what I promised is that we would come back this week and we would talk about, if last week was about the moment of saying yes to God, then what remains for us to talk about is how do we get from the moment of just saying yes to God to the movement of living our yes before God. So when we sing things like, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. That's, we're not talking about, I mean, I have decided is kind of the moment, but the movement is no turning back, right? And so um, I invite you tonight into these thoughts. You know, I, there's a, God willing, you know, there's a fair amount of information here, and I don't really guess that you would, uh, you know, track with it necessarily all of it, but I would encourage you to sort of, you know, uh, see if there would be one or two really significant takeaways for you, different ways. If I could do anything tonight, I would change the way that you sort of think about your spiritual walk, about your yes to God, because if we can change the way we think, then uh, we'll really change the way we live in God. And so anyway, we talked about, well, first of all, I want to share this, share this scripture with you. You know, Romans 8 says, all who are led by the Spirit of, Spirit of God they are the sons of, and daughters of God, you know, and this is what marks us. If we're led by the Spirit of God or when we say yes to God and we come into that relationship, we have that promise. He'll actually lead us, and it's what marks us in the earth. It's what makes us unique. You hear me? It's what makes us unique, that God's actually leading our lives. Okay, and so I, I told you that uh, a while back that Kevin Myers uh, invited me into this worship step class, and inside of that class, we uh, began this thing to begin to develop that we called the worship well. And it's basically a picture of how your yes works, your your living yes, so to speak. And so that's what we're going to go over tonight. And uh, this is a picture of you. It's not very complimentary. I understand that, um, but I believe that God has wired you. Uh, he's made you body soul, and spirit, and in that wiring is actually uh, how God has made you to facilitate your yes to him, to hear him speak, to be led by him, as Romans says, and this is, we said this last week, your yes is here, this is a picture of how your yes works, your yes to God, goes just like this, and consequently, your yes is the same thing as your worship. When we worship God, whether it's our living worship or whether it's when we enter into places like this for corporate worship, this is the ideal path uh, 
of your worship. It's the path of your yes. So let's see. I've got a, just a series of statements that I'm going to make as I go through this, and hopefully it'll make sense. First thing I want to say to you is my yes to God or your yes to God creates spiritual momentum. And so when we say yes to him, we, begin, we be instantly begin to get forward movement with God. And isn't that what cures a thousand ills? I mean, if you think about it, uh, you know, often we just feel stuck. We feel like we're really not going anywhere. There's no forward movement in our spiritual life. Well, what I'm telling you is, is when you live your yes, you will create forward movement. And uh, that right there is good news. If I told you nothing else other than that, just give God your yes every day, and you'll constantly have forward movement in your spiritual life. Now, your, your body has a role, your soul has a role, and your spirit. So this whole thing is really about helping put some, uh, a framework around understanding that there are different parts of our nature. And each part of our nature has a role in reinforcing our yes to God and, uh, and helping us to follow him and hear him speak. So I'm just going to kind of go down this way. And so as uh, our yes to God creates spiritual momentum in our body, I want you to understand, first of all, that your body is a partner. It's a full partner in the spiritual equation. In other words, God, we, I think we tend to think that, that as the body as almost a detriment to our spiritual life. But I'm here to tell you that I believe your body, this thing right here, is actually a partner in God's economy for you to say yes to him. It's not made to distract you. It's made to partner with your soul and your spirit in following God. I don't think we necessarily look at it that way. Uh, you got physical senses that sit here. Physical senses. What are your physical senses? Anybody can tell me? <laughs> I think I heard all five right there and maybe a few more. <clears throat> so you leverage the power of your physical senses to, to stay and in, in, in keep your yes and play with God. So if you think about it, an easy way to think about that, what I mean when I say that is like when you come into the worship environment like this, um, you know, you may not begin, you may not necessarily feel like in your gut to begin to sing to God, right? But what do we do? We sing. Our body is made to facilitate our yes. In other words, I'm like, I'm going to say yes. And so I may raise my hands, right? And I begin to sing and my yes begins to gain momentum. And so that's not just in, in, in a corporate worship setting where this works. This works in your outside of the church life as well. But it's just an easy way to think about it. Um, here's another one. Here's another P. Proximity, which is another way of saying uh, proximity, which is another way of saying location. Did you know your location is a spiritual issue? It is. Your body's like a spiritual taxi. That, that your body houses this, this spirit that God has redeemed and called his own. And so wherever my body goes, it's carrying a spirit. So my spirit's going over here right now. I'll be back in a minute. And uh, so when I get up, well, I don't know what time you get up on Sundays. I get up at 523. I assure you my body does not, <laughs> it's not a fan. It doesn't like that. But when I get up and I put my body in motion, it's a spiritual issue. It's a worship issue. I am worshiping as soon as I awake and I go like, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go worship God. 
Or I may be sitting on the couch watching the Braves, enjoying myself, and all of a sudden I sense God uh, press upon my heart that he's, come spend time with me. Well, my body can stay in that chair. I can get up and move. When I get up and move, it's a spiritual taxi. The yes of God is now in motion. You know, a good scriptural example of this would be like Zacchaeus. You remember the wee little man, right? Short little guy. I'm assuming he had a busy, he had a busy calendar, but he freed up his whole calendar when he realized that Jesus was going to be passing close by. And he made arrangements to be and intersect where Jesus was going to be coming by. I assumed he walked there or he rode a camel or a donkey or something. But his body was, his location was a spiritual issue. When Jesus walked by, you remember the story, he climbed the tree, he looked down, Jesus came by, he stopped and he looked and he said, hey, I'm coming, I'm having dinner at your house tonight. He had dinner with Jesus. Why? Because his body put his spirit in motion and he got himself in the middle of where Jesus was. So your location is a spiritual issue as well. Um, And then uh, your body's role really is to protect and to serve. I won't spend a lot of time on that. Um, You know, Samson, Samson, if you remember the biblical character of Samson, Samson, he was a judge of Israel. And his role given by God was to protect and to serve Israel. But instead of doing that, you you remember Samson, what was his... uh, his best attribute, or the attribute he's known for. Do y'all remember? His strength, physical strength. But he didn't leverage his physical strength for the purposes of God. Instead, he used his body to carry himself over to the Philistine camp where he didn't really belong and check out the girls. He picked up Philistine women and did stuff he shouldn't have been doing. So he leveraged the things that God had given him in a way that counted against the yes of God. In other words, he didn't, he didn't protect and serve. And your body is designed to protect and to serve these deeper aspects of your nature. We're going to get into this as we keep moving. It'll make a little more sense as we keep moving. Okay, so, okay, so your first statement was my yes to God creates spiritual momentum. Here's another one. My yes to God will encounter resistance. And so as I say yes to God and I begin to move down this, down this road, I'm going to begin to hit significant resistance right here in the realm of my soul. And so, um, the culprit is self. And what is self? I mean, think about this for a second. Self is that part of our nature that, that just resists God. It's like a, uh, the sinful nature still lives inside of me. It's that part of me that, that uh, I can sense God may want something, but I, that's not necessarily what I want. Um, it's like the self sort of secretly um, partners with distractions. It's kind of like, do you remember last week, um, last Sunday, we showed the clip of uh, one of the Duck Dynasty brothers, you know, Jeb, I believe was his name. And this was, you know, basically what he says is when I got out of high school, I began to hang with some guys who weren't like my family. And I, he said this, I thought I would see what the world had to offer. So his sinful nature began to collude or partner with some distractions. Guys that took him down roads that he didn't, where he shouldn't have been going. It's kind of like Pinocchio. Remember Pinocchio? 
Pinocchio and Jiminy Cricket were, you know, they're basically walking down the road, singing songs, having a good time, going in the direction they should. And all of a sudden, these two guys come along and go like, hey, man, you heard of Fantasy Island? No, I never heard of Fantasy Island. Sounds cool. Let's go. Next thing you know, Pinocchio's gone, right? And Jiminy Cricket's down here. Where'd Pinocchio go? Don't know. Got distracted. Got taken off course. <laughs> You're like laughing at me because I'm talking about Pinocchio. Yeah. Where am I? So here's a good question. Uh, where has your yes gotten distracted? Where has your yes to God gotten distracted? And, uh, you know, remember that scripture, scripture constantly talks about don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. When, when God was talking to the children of Israel and he was uh, preparing them to follow him, he said, don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. So to live a life of yes requires a focus to stay on one path. So down here in your soul, mind, will, and emotion. And in the soul, our yes to God is both generated and maintained. Um, you know, your yes to God is, if you, were just, if you just want to see, like, define it, it would be this. Your yes is agreement plus adjustment. And so what I do is I agree with what God says about me. And I adjust to that. If you really want to boil it down to what it means to maintain your yes, then live that. Day by day, agree with what God says about you and adjust your life to that. And what God will do, well, he, will, he will give you uh, multiple rounds of that. In other words, if I, when I agree and adjust today on one issue, then maybe next week he's speaking to me about something else. And I'm going from one level to the next level in, in, in maintaining my yes to God. So with my mind, as I'm trying to uh, get, get this, the momentum behind this yes, uh, in my mind, I'm rehearsing what he's done for me and who he is. I say this all the time from the stage. Uh, you know, when I'm leading worship over there on, in the main stage, I say worship is when we honor God for who he is and what he's done. And a life of yes is a life that focuses repeatedly on who God is and what he's done. That may sound boring to you. If it does, you just don't know him yet. It's not boring. He's the king and the great God above all kings, and there's nobody like him. Um, your will is a pretty big deal. Your will is like a superintendent. Because um, like I said, you know, what gets us off track often is distraction. We get distracted. And what does our will do? Our will comes along and goes like, no. No, we said yes to God. We're not going to go here. We're going to do there. A good way to think about this is when I come into worship, I may be like leading worship and who knows, any, a million things could distract me when I'm leading worship, right? I look up and see somebody I hadn't seen in six months or whatever. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> hadn't seen you in church in forever. And now my mind is over here doing something else. What does my will do? My will pulls it back and says, No. No, that's not what we're doing. We're giving our yes to God. That works in church. That works 
outside of church. So that moment when I'm sitting in the chair watching the Braves and I don't want to get up, my will goes, but you will get up. Why? Because I said yes to God and I want more of him. And then the, your emotions are certainly a part of that. Um, it's the proper prayer of Jesus. Just think of it this way. Really, a good way to think about your soul. Jesus in the garden protected his yes. And if Jesus has to protect his yes, how much more me and you? Basically, this is what Jesus did in the garden, right? He didn't want to go to the cross. He was sweating blood in the garden. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Um, now, self... Up here, when we hit resistance, self basically turns that around and does exactly the opposite. Self basically says, nevertheless, not your will, but mine be done. It's a little bit like a spiritual version of a selfie. <laughs> right? It's indulgent. It's like that moment, like, what is a selfie? You take out your phone, you just kind of like, yeah. And spiritually, it's the same thing. And that's what, that's what the self-life will do. It will indulge you. Now, if you don't know what a selfie is, I think we got a couple of these just for fun. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> and so when you, hit, uh, when you hit resistance in your soul, you can't indulge the self. You got to press through it. And so how do you press through resistance? Um, it's by... Here's the third statement. My yes requires continuous releasing to God and personal alignment. And so basically what I'm telling you is when you hit resistance here in your life to maintain your yes to God, you just release. Release to God. That's how you maintain your yes. And so, um, and here's the thing. And here's the fourth statement. If you will do that, if you will release to God through the resistance your, your yes will lead you into experiences with God. And this is a, such a big deal. Listen, there is a line right here. This line is the difference between knowing about God and actually knowing God in experience. And if we're being honest, you guys have all seen people and have witnessed people whose faith seems to be more about just knowing about God and other people seem to have this life with God that they've actually experienced him. And those kind of people have this attraction. And that's the life you want, isn't it? Like if I'm going to sign up for this, if I'm, John Wimber, uh, he was a pastor out in California. He said, if I'm going to give up drugs and rock and roll and sex for this, then it better be the real thing. So he read his Bible and he saw where Jesus did all this cool stuff and he's like, where's all that? Well, this is what I'm telling you. This is, we want to pierce this line and we want to live a life in God. So what is that like? That's what I want to talk about. Down here in your spirit, when we connect with God, you know, there's... There's a lot of different ways we could, we could characterize this, but I'm just going to pick a few words and just talk about it for a minute. And um, this is my experience. Yours may be a little bit different. But I think down here is your conscience, conscience, 
It's the only way I can spell it. And that's your moral compass. So, you know, when Jesus met the woman at the well, he said, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask me and I would give you water that doesn't end. She would be like, what are you talking about? You mean I wouldn't have to come back to this well? She begins to turn into a theological debate, but then Jesus goes right to the core, which is what he always does. And he or she said, she actually asked him, she said, well, then give me that water. Give it to me. He said, I tell you what, go get your husband. She said, if you remember the story, you know, she was like, uh, oh, you know, I don't really have a husband. And he said, you know, you're saying right. And basically, he was revealing a place in her life where she had been morally off base. And often, when we first really break through and connect with God, if you're off somewhere, if you're off in your moral life, in your, if, you're, if you're transgressing the ways that he said to do life, he's going to confront that. That doesn't make him a big heavy. That doesn't make him... Um, can you guys see? Okay. Huh? Whatever. Okay. <laughs> like, I can't read it anyway. It's a bunch of chicken scratch. But it doesn't make God a big heavy. He's got stuff for you. He's got things to say to you. You have a life to live. And he's got the keys to tell you how to put it together. Not only in a God-honoring way, but in a way that fulfills you. Purpose. Power. But he's not going to sweep the stuff under the rug. He's not just going to ignore places where you're off base. And so, it's kind of like he's got white carpet in his house and he wants to invite you in and you got dirty feet. <laughs> and so, he's like, you're going to, those boots, they ain't making it in here, bro. You're going to have to wipe them things. Either take them off or wipe them up or something. Because you're not getting, not getting uh, mud on this carpet. <laughs> what am I even talking about? <laughs> anyway. The, the, it's kind of the picture that I think that God is like, he's inviting you in. He, he, likes, he wants to invite you in to sit by the fire. Like you got a couple of chairs there. We're going to sit and we're going to talk. But we got to deal with this first. And so he will deal on the moral compass. But past that, here's another word for you, fellowship. Have you ever been, uh, have you ever been talking to a good friend and you're really enjoying talking to him, and you talk to him for like 10 minutes. And then you look up at the clock, and he's like, it's not 10 minutes. It's been an hour, right? What happened? Fellowship. True, deep fellowship. And when you have that kind of connection with God, it gets a little bit timeless. Time starts doing weird things, and, you, and it's a very satisfying experience with God. It's very good to be with him. You were cre- I, think it's, I think it's indication you were created for eternity. There's something inside of us that, that quickens to that. When we have that kind of connection with God, we go like, whoa, this feels good to be here. And then it goes from there to, uh, you could put here, familiarity. Familiarity. That over time, which we're going to talk about that in a second, but this whole thing is designed to as a repeated path over and over and over. And when you do familiarity grows. And along with familiarity, by the way, affection. 
this didn't used to make sense to me. It really didn't. People would talk about having affection for God. And I was like, I don't get that. What do you mean? I mean, I know it sounds like something we're supposed to say, but really? You have true af- affection for God? Well, now I can say, I'm 52, and I've, I have affection for God. I really do. And familiarity. You know what that means? Familiarity would be something like this. I mean, a lot of y'all don't know me, so if somebody blindfolded you and I walked in the room and I started speaking, uh, and somebody said, so who's that? You'd go like, uh, I don't know, Uncle Bill? No. You know, you don't know me, but if you knew me, I'd walk in the room, I'd get two sentences out, you go, Simo, that's who that is. Why? Because you know me. You're familiar with me. And it's like that with God. Listen, that's good news. It's like that with God, that God's actually built an economy for you where you can be familiar with him, your creator, the guy that threw the stars all the way out further than we can see, that somehow we can be familiar with him as we do real life. That he would move into a moment of time and I would go like, whoa, wait, hold on, time out. God's here. How do I know? Because I'm familiar with him. Like, think about it. I heard somebody say one time, why is the earth green and blue and brown mostly? Because that's God's taste. I like that. I thought, there's somebody that, that knows his taste. Well, why not? Isn't that part of what it means to be familiar with somebody? You begin to know their taste, what they're like. So why does, when you read the scripture, hallelujah, 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 all that, why? Why? What, why? What's that word all about? God just likes it. Okay. He likes the word hallelujah. I got stuff I like. He's got stuff he likes. This is the delight of living a, a life of yes, is that you can actually get down here to know Christ, to know God, and you know what he's like. And once you do that, there's no drug or habit replacement for this experience. And so once you get down here and you begin to uh, uh, interact with God in this way, look, all of these, think these resistances up here, they're like, get out of my way. Get out of my way. I got a king, a father who knows me, and I'm getting to know him, and it's good. Over here, here's some more words. Intuition, which I'm just, I would put with that, leadings. Which is another way of saying God will speak to me. This is more about entering in with God. This is about hanging out with God. But now God's actually going to tell me stuff? Yes. Yes. I believe he will. In fact, we have the promises of Scripture. Didn't, isn't that what Paul just said? All who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Revelation is another one. And in Revelation, I put just knowing. You know, God has this capacity to sp- just speak directly to us. Like this minute, I didn't know this thing. And then God speaks and I know something that I didn't know before. And not only do I know it, I know it forcefully. Uh, I know it in my knower. Do you know God gave you a knower? Like, this is where you don't come, you come to conclusions, but you didn't get there through the deduction of the mind. That God's just present, and now you know 
something you didn't know before. You know, I was talking to Danny the other day, and he was telling me his story. I'm like, he's from um, Virginia. And I'm like, well, how'd you end up in Atlanta? How'd that happen? Well, long story short, you know, a sequence of events. And he had one of these moments. It's kind of like, I knew I was supposed to do that. This happened, and that happened, and I knew I was supposed to do that. When I see that, it just makes me happy because I go like, all who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He must be a son. I believe he is. Oh, my goodness. My experiences with God will lead me to take action. And so God plants things in our hearts that then motivate us or, or indicate to us it's time for us to take action. And by taking action, let's just put a couple things right here. Repeated seeking and layered obedience. Layered obedience is a Kevin Myers thing. I just stole it from him because it's so good. But basically, uh, this path, as I said a minute ago, is designed for repeatedly walking this with God. That my yes, this is why I, talk, I was talking about a movement or how do you sustain your yes. We do this over and over and over. My, my wife was uh, sick in one season of our life, very sick for a long time. It was not fun. It was a very dark time in our house. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I kept waking up to dilemmas, uh, pain. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. But I kept praying. I kept praying. And uh, actually, the, the, there used to be a prayer trail that this building is uh, built on. So before we built this building, there were prayer trails out here. And I went, I went walking on the prayer trail uh, one night before we were going to do... Uh, one of our night of worships back then. And I looked up and I saw this trail and it was a sort of a wide trail and it had obviously been, lots of people had been on it and God spoke to me. Boom, that's what I'm talking about. God spoke to me somewhere, somewhere over in here. God said something to me. I looked up and you know what he said? He said, God grants trampled ground. I didn't make that up. I I didn't think that up. It just popped into my heart. I don't know. I, I saw that trail that was all worn down, and God said, God grants trampled ground. And what I knew, like that, like that, what I knew, like that, was that God was going to take care of us, that he was going to heal my wife, Marianne, because I had been trampling ground. There's a, there's a life principle for you. You want God to do stuff? Then trample some ground. Repeated seeking. Do this over and over. Make it a, a method of life for you. A habit. And if you do that, then God will speak things. And when he does, that's what this layered obedience thing is. That basically, um, at this season in life, you know, uh, God would say this. And so I incorporate that. And then I keep that as I keep moving, and then God says something else, and I, then I put that on top of that, and then God says something else, and I put that on top of that. It's kind of the parable that Jesus said the wise man built his house on the rock. The unwise guy built his house upon the sand, and when the rains came, that guy's house flooded away. If you, if you, you, know, if you obey what God says, and then you sort of forget that and go to the next thing and forget that and go to the next thing. It's a house of cards. It will fall. But if you will layer obedience, 
in your life, your life will stand blessed and strong. All right. I'm winding down. Um, so my, I just said my experiences with God will lead me to take action. Here's the next one. My yes to God will set a new trajectory for my life. Repeated experiences with God help me find my personal mission and sacred calling. Um, so as I do this, it's kind of like connect the dots. Uh, you know, you go out in a season of your life and you're praying, you're seeking God, and he says something, and, and you don't forget it, right? You go, okay, God said something. All right, let's see. There's a dot. And then, you know, maybe six months later, you feel like he says something else. You remember that one. Oh, okay, let's see. Boom. Let's keep that one. So now I remember he said that, and he said that, and I'm just living my life. I'm doing the best I can. And then, boom, he says something else. Oh, well, now I got three dots. Now I can draw a line, right? Whatever that is, whatever's up here, that's what I'm headed towards. So, um, saying yes to God, repeatedly seeking him will set a new trajectory for your life. If you want to, and I'm sure you do, you want to know what your personal calling is, your personal mission, right? Well, I remember when I was your age, it was crushing for me. I knew that I was somehow expected to know when I got to be a junior, senior in high school, I was supposed to know what I wanted to do with my life, where I was going to go to school, what I was going to major in, what kind of career I was going to get when I got out of school, and which girl I was going to choose. And it was crushing to me. I was like, I don't know any of this stuff. And that was the raw fuel for me, actually, to begin to actually seek God. Because he promised me that if I would seek him, he'd speak to me about some of these things. And he has. And he did. Uh, and so the last statement here, God has entrusted the power of yes to you and me. Well, let me finish this. This is personal mission or calling up here. So the things that God speaks to us as we repeatedly seek him down here will ultimately lead through seeking and obedience to personal mission and calling. You will impact the world through Christ. God has entrusted the power of yes to you and me. So here's the deal. Listen to this. This is so big. Because you control the power of your yes, you get to set the pace for the depth of your relationship to God. You hear me? I know it feels like I'm going long. I got 30 seconds left, so don't cheat me. Because you, because you control your yes, you get to set the pace for the depth of your relationship with God. So you can have as much of him as you want. Nobody's putting a cap on you. Nobody. So come and get it, right? It's like the dinner is served. If you enter into worship and you hit resistance and you go this deep right here and it stops and shuts down, that doesn't mean you didn't worship. It doesn't mean that your yes is not intact. It just means it's shallow. That's all it means. When your yes does that and cuts across here, that's duty. That just means you're showing up. When it comes down to here and gets shut down and cuts across, that's engaging. You're giving it a shot. You're involved. But when it gets all the way down here, that's supernatural. Not only is it supernatural, it's what God's, his offer to you is. 
And don't you want that? I mean, if you're going to do this, why not do that? And uh, if we were really trying to boil all this down, if you're like, Chris, that's way too complicated. I agree. Here's four words for you. Resolve. Because it starts with resolve. And then we release to God. And then we receive from God. And then we respond to God. So what's the current state of your yes to God? Will your moment with God turn into a movement of God in your life? John, you guys can go ahead and come up. This is the scripture that I wanted to end with, and then I'm just going to pray over you. I love this scripture. It's Proverbs 3, 23. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for this room. I pray for these souls. Um, and Father, I pray that there's something in this, Lord, that you have for us, that you have burned and uh, that you have branded upon our hearts. That, God, you would teach us not only to be a people who would say yes, but a people who would endure any yes. And in that, we would be a supernatural people, a people called by your name. But uh, who, when we speak, we would speak of the knowledge of God, not just the knowledge about who he is, but the knowledge of what he's like and what it's like to live life with him. We would be a people who have stories because we walk with you, not just a creed in a book, but a Savior, living, a living, risen Savior that's alive in my heart and who will actually speak to me about the things that have me troubled. And so I pray, God, that as, as each of these, um, in these seasons of life, God, when they come to you, Lord, I ask that you would meet them quickly. And we bless you tonight. Lord, continue to teach our hearts about worship. And may your kingdom come, and may your will be done, and we bless you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.